coaches. Today, before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13.3-inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the CoachPad and CoachPad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates, and here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, we have a fantastic guest today, uh, Coach Nathan Young. Uh, the new offensive line coach at Louisiana Tech University. Coach, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I, I can't complain. I appreciate you coming on. Um, good little conversation before we started. Obviously, it's always interesting to take a new job and kind of a new, a, a really a full new staff um, going into, I mean, really, uh, it's always hectic with the early signing period and all that. And so sure. um, kind of, before we get into scheme and coaching and offensive line, you kind of want to go um, into how you ended up at Louisiana Tech, kind of your pathway to this point. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll start at the very beginning. I, I grew up in small town, West Texas, a uh, little town called Plainview, um, about 25,000 people and, and uh, the biggest kid in the class or whatever. And so I guess I was good enough to get recruited uh, to Abilene Christian. And, uh, you know, went, went on there and played, um, played for originally for, for Gary Gaines, uh, Friday Night Lights lore. He was our head coach there at ACU and uh, really a great man. Um, he, he left after a couple of years there and uh, Chris Thompson came in and Chris Thompson has uh, really took me under his wing, taught me, uh, taught me a lot about O-line play, um, but, but more importantly, how it means to what it means to be a coach and learning to teach men, young men to be better husbands and fathers. And through that process, um, you know, got really lucky. Uh, I was a GA there at ACU for about a month and our O-line coach left and he brought me in and asked if I wanted the job. And I was naive. I, I, I didn't go to school to be a coach. That wasn't what I planned on. Um, I got mono the spring before my senior year. And, and so didn't get to go through spring ball and, and, basically got the student coach and caught the bug and the bug never left. And so anyways, he hires me um, and, and again, takes me under his wing. And so I, I'm the O-line coach there at ACU for four years. Um, and then I become the coordinator there at ACU uh, in 2013 as we're transitioning from division one or division two to FCS. Um, so that time there uh, was a great learning experience for me. I got away from the O-line at that time. Um, coached running backs and tight ends and various stints and, and kind of back and forth and um, ended up, uh, you know, going down to San Antonio, um, calling plays down there and coaching quarterbacks. Uh, did that for two years and was lucky enough to get on with Coach Carthel at Stephen F. Austin. Uh, coach Carthel actually recruited me as a player when he was the defensive line coach at Abilene Christian. 
and he's a small town West Texas guy. Also, um, we just really clicked. And, you know, then I got to compete against him when he was at West Texas A&M and, and I was at Abilene. And so that relationship just continued to grow and, and got lucky enough to get on staff there with, with coach Corkle. And, um, you know, we did a pretty good job there. I'd like to think of, of getting that program turned around and, you know, really how, how did I get to Louisiana tech? Uh, I've known coach Cumbie for a long time. Um, he's another small town, West Texas guy growing up in Snyder. We knew each other a little bit in that time, but, but really probably the main reason I hear I'm here goes back to relationships and, um, you know, Chris Thompson, who I referenced earlier, that was our head coach at ACU, uh, became the offensive line coach at Texas Tech when Coach Cumbie coached receivers. When he went to TCU, um, when Coach Cumbie went to TCU, he hired Coach Thompson as his offensive line coach there at TCU. And so just those connections um, really have gotten me to where I'm at today. Uh, you know, great, greatly uh, appreciative of the opportunity that I've been given here and, and quite frankly, really blessed. I was sitting at the AFCA the other day in San Antonio and like, man, this time, the last time this convention was held here, I was coaching high school ball right down the street. And now I'm at Louisiana Tech. So uh, what a whirlwind it's been, but uh, but really excited and, and glad to be here. I mean, I think you're, I mean, it's a great path to kind of where you are and kind of figure out and like, obviously the great Texas ties you probably have. Um, I think also, I mean, I mean, your time at Stephen F. Austin, I mean, you guys have probably one of the most prolific offenses in college football. Um, and, and we've kind of talked, I mean, you hit, you guys hit on a lot of schemes, wide zone, inside zone with the variety of tags, as most inside zone teams do. Big RPO game, a little bit of duo, a little bit of uh, GF counter. Um, and, and kind of like there's a lot there. What, I mean, as, as you transition to um, law tech, what do you think, I mean, what can you bring with you from Stephen F. Austin that helped kind of lead you guys? I mean, obviously you guys have a great offensive staff at law tech. But what can sure. you bring with you from Stephen F. Austin where you had so much success offensively and you're so explosive as you come to La Tech? Yeah, I think the one of the biggest things that I that I learned at Stephen F. Austin is the value of of creating muscle memory and, and having the ability to, no matter what you do schematically, uh, it makes no difference. Are you teaching your kids the fundamentals every day to make them successful? And you're going through you know, for example, we did all those things at, at SFA, right? All those different schemes. And, and you could probably add more and more to that, right? Just we, we threw the book at you schematically, which is which is fine. But what I was having to teach my kids was about four different four different type techniques and in the run game and everything molded and married into those four techniques. And so we weren't having to practice a lot of um, we, we got to practice the same everyday drills. Right. And I didn't have to vary those. <laughs> excuse me schematically sure we were varying in making different calls and this and that um but they all went into families and they all grew off of each other and so there wasn't a lot of variance in what we did the rules were simple and just tried to let the kids play fast but but I think it came down to muscle memory and what we were able to teach there um to give the defense a whole lot of pictures to where we're really running the same things um just at a different picture. So it wasn't nearly as much learning on my guys. It was probably a little more learning on the skill guys, um, but we were able to to attack defenses a lot of different ways doing the same things. Okay. That, like, and now you want to kind of explain a little bit more of that four techniques because I, I've had a simple, I, I've, I've hired an offensive coordinator this year because I, I got hired late last year. Probably, I mean, when you get hired June 1st, it's kind of hard to find a staff. Um, right. People are committed already. 
But I mean, one of my first priorities was getting my offense corner. And that's one of the conversations that we've had is his big thing is focus on techniques and fundamentals. And like, especially when we talked offensive line plays, like here's what they need to know. Like yeah. my system encompasses this. So they need to be able to do this block, that block, this block. They need this technique. Do you sure. want to kind of expand on how, even though you run a wide zone and inside zone, a gap scheme counter um, duo, which I mean, is very similar to inside zone, but is also right. a gap scheme, how you're right. able to narrow that down to the four and kind of what those four techniques are. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, so our four everyday drills that we're going to do, um, we start in wide zone every day. Okay. And so we have our wide zone techniques, our landmarks, our aiming points, our footwork, and, and we can get into that later if you'd like. But um, so we're going to work those and we're going to work those two different ways. We're going to work it as the lead player and we're going to work it as the trail player. Um, then we'll get into our inside zone footwork, which is, you know, just our tight footwork, um, slightly different landmarks, more, you know, double under type stuff with your hands, um, those type thought processes. Then we're going to work the inside half of our double team, which is we use uh, foot fire, which I picked up a couple of years ago um, from from some NFL guys and the guy that actually came down and, and helped as the assistant O-line guy um, at SFA was previously the assistant O-line guy for the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. And we just kind of lucked into that one. Um, <laughs> and, and he came down, he's like, you know, we, we were doing the kind of like everybody does the the inside step and then the post and, and really getting along with our feet. And he's like, well, this is what we did at Dallas and it worked for us. And I'm like, dude, you play with Zach Martin. Like, come on, this is where I'm not coaching Zach Martin's here. You know, he's like, I'm just telling you it works. And so two years ago we went to it and I love it. Um, so that's the third technique that we use. And then the fourth, we're getting into our gallop or high leg footwork, uh, depending on the week. Um, you know, so those are the four techniques we're really focused on. Now, are we using different blocks than that in the game? Sure. Sometimes, you know, there, there are weeks that I may add down blocks into that. If we're, if we're planning on running a bunch of gap schemes and we maybe get in a bare front, right? We, we may work down blocks. We may work pin blocks if we're thinking that we're going to work more pin and pull stuff that week. But for the everyday drills that we're going to work, those are the four that we're going to work every single day. And we did not vary from those one time. Again, we may add on to the, at the end of those, um, but those are the four that we're going to work every day. And they, and they fully encompass what we did offensively. Now, you know, obviously the pools and the stuff like that, you know, we're not, we're not talking those, um, but just the base footwork for what we're doing for our base run game, we're, we were doing those every day. Okay. Now kind of continue with that and kind of, I, we'll hit wide zone for a little bit here since we're kind of in that groove. My first question is for you, like, and because I've talked, again, I've talked to my offensive coordinator about some of this stuff and kind of as we look at stuff and what best suits our kids. And um, unfortunately, when you watch people talk wide zone, it is almost always against an even front. Somehow everybody's got even front film, even though I see maybe two teams all year that have an even front They're everybody's switching to an odd front. Does, right. that, does that affect anything for you? How, like when you're looking at wide zone versus odd front, is it any different for me even front for you guys? Or and then kind of what does that kind of change for you guys? Does, uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on if you're running it to the overhang, away from the overhang, you know, are you going to have a tight end on the front side or the back side? There are certain variances that I think give us schematic advantages um, to either one of them, um, you know, and it just depends on how you want to block it, you know? So, uh, you know, versus edge pressure. How are you going to handle edge pressure? What's your answer to edge pressure? Because that's always in, in the three-down world. You better have an answer for edge pressure, whether you're running to the overhang or not. 
Um, you know, so just figuring out, all right, where is our advantage in the scheme? Um, and then obviously the techniques are going to differ a little bit as well. But uh, part of the reason we talk in terms of lead player, trail player in our double team system is because now the landmarks for those spots never change. It just depends on where you're headed to. You know, is my double team working vertical? Is my double team working out? Where are we working on that double team? And, um, you know, so we, we had success running it both ways uh, or against both fronts. It, it didn't really um, – it didn't stop us from calling the play or executing the play. Uh, I do think what you're doing with your tight end, on the ball, off the ball, two away, whatever, whatever your answer is, you just got to have an answer built in for edge pressure. And if you can handle edge pressure, wide zone is, is fine against any front. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Now, the other thing is, is, and especially like if you watch high school and college football in our state, the answer to a lot of zone schemes where it's inside or wide zone is to twist the crap out of people. Like, it, I mean, it usually is like, especially if you like turn on like a Mac game here in Ohio, right. it is twist central. Like, and I've yeah. talked to, I've talked to college line coaches here and, that's the biggest – I mean, they spend more time practicing twists than anything in America. Um, one, is that a big problem from your experience down there? Is that kind of the answer? And then kind of how do you handle – especially in wide zone, and you can kind of get into inside zone too, but how do you handle the constant issue, constant twists that you're going to see? Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, I think the number one answer for twists is, is you got to have enough gap scheme mixed in to where you scare people out of it. Um, you know, because because people will twist their way out of a gap scheme and all of a sudden that thing goes up the A gap and here you go. Um, so I think there's some complementary things that you need to have in there from that standpoint. But it, but if you do call a zone scheme into a twist scheme, sure, it takes work. I do think wide zone is a little bit better than inside zone personally, just because the ball has the ability to get to the edge a little bit quicker. And the way we teach the backside of it is that we're cutting it all down anyways. You know, the front side, obviously, you've got to get the ball where the ball's got to get. But when you're able to cut down those twist games and they're not able to get to that gap that they're working to, again, you have the stretch and, stretch and puncture issue with the wide zone to where if they're not fit perfect and that ball gets downhill on them, the same as a gap scheme, they've got major problems. And so there is a little bit of feast famine that probably goes into that. We have to work it a lot. Um, but I think twist games have become such a normal part of our game line movements in general. Um, very rarely do we see a, a four-down team in particular just line up and play. You're going to get stunts. You're going to get games. And so it's something that we're constantly working. And and I think I've evolved from there as a coach over the years. Is like, you know, used to it was always like, all right, give me a three and a shade and, and let's go through this. And those three and shades are just stagnant. Very rarely do I give any stagnant pictures anymore. We can block the stagnant picture in our sleep. It's the movements that, that cause you issues, right? And so – um, you know, I do think wide zone is a little better than inside zone versus those twists because it does give you a little more um, a little more freedom to get the ball to the edge. Inside zone, where it gives you a little bit of an advantage is, is again, if they don't fit it right and you're able to get that vertical push, inside zone duo, whatever, whatever world you want to live in there, um, you can put a little bit more of a dent when that D-line's going sideways um, at the same time. But uh, certainly, certainly creates some uh, – some work as an O-line coach and as an O-line, um, just working through all those things. Okay. Now, I mean, kind of, kind of, and like kind of really my last question with wide zone is, I, I mean, how, because I've heard it a bunch of different ways uh, on 
drop step in in terms of footwork i've heard here's where hand placement needs to be here's it's hand placement doesn't matter as much it's more shoulder and aiming like when you like when you're looking day one teaching of wide zone where do you start with your offensive linemen in terms of technique like where do you how what is your progression for them yeah so so the front side of the play we're we're gonna never work a drop step we're always a lateral first step um the back side of the play the center to the back side of the play i'll let them work the the bucket step um but we're going to talk mainly again when we're talking lead trail all those things so our lead player when we come out it's it's lateral first step and it's second step through the crotch the hat is getting to the play side armpit and then we're going to work our backside hand to stab the sternum that's our that's our buzzword um if that front side player was by himself, the only difference in the technique is now he's going to trap the tricep with that backside hand. Now, if that guy goes on an inside move and you've got enough force on that tricep, it'll drag you back with it. And now you're able to attach to that twist, to that inside move. Um, so, so really, you know, to answer your question, we're going to start with, with where our feet are going because everybody wants to lose ground on the front side and you got to stay lateral in my opinion. Okay. We're going to start with, getting the hat to landmark because if the hat's not there, you're never going to get the stretch. The last thing that'll come into play for me is that backside hand concept. Um, so, you know, feet, hat, hands, uh, that's kind of how I try to teach most of my progressions. Just going through that is, all right, how do I step? Where does my hat need to be? And then we can talk about the upper body through that um, after that. So uh, feet, feet, hat, and hands is kind of the, the teaching progression of how we install these techniques and, and what we're trying to get done. Okay. Now, now my next step, because you've mentioned duo, and, and I think anybody that's watched any of my stuff knows my weird love fascination with that play. I, I, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't. Like, good football I don't, play. It, I mean, it, it is really good football play. I mean, and the sad thing is the football world really didn't pay attention to it for about 20 years. And right. I mean, because because I have I, I have found a bunch of like old clinics uh cool clinics of bob wiley talking duo back in like 98 or whatever it is and it's like okay and, and but for like 20 years nobody talked about the play and now it's become yeah. this and still no one like everybody's rules are slightly different and it's some of the just week week and it's a whole different it's it's a weird little thing like it's yeah. kind of the thing nobody wanted to talk about yeah. um and, and it like exploded because back to your point the dallas cowboys ran the crap out of it and we're really good at it and then it kind of exploded. Um, but what, when, first, let, let's start this way. Let's, when did you get exposed to duo and kind of how, and what was that kind of transition? Cause obviously in, everybody knows inside zone to a point, everybody's a little different than that, but duo, where did that come from for you guys? Yeah, really for us, it was when, when the guy that I was talking about earlier, Adam Kleffner came and joined our staff. Um, it was, uh, when would it have been? Spring of 2020. I guess right there before COVID hit, and um, you know he he brought it um, brought it to us, and you know just looking at all the cutups and and figuring out how you know they're using receivers in in the motion game and how they're how they're attacking extra defenders with receivers, and um, you know that that got me turned on to it the most probably just because you know as as an O line guy and you call a run, you don't ever want to get out had it. Um, and, and sometimes in the zone world, you know, that it's the, it's the reason why people run RPOs. It's the reason, um, 
you know, why you want to motion guys down and do all that stuff. So just watching him do it is what really knocked me into it because, again, like you said, everybody lives in the inside zone world, and the variance between the two is it's there for sure. There's, there's, there's differences between the two plays, but they marry so closely from a technique standpoint that I didn't feel the need. I didn't feel like it was such a big deal for us to get it put in. And so, you know, we, we put it in there um, in the spring of 2020. We got spring ball in right after signing day. And so we were actually finished with spring ball by the time we got shut down for COVID. Okay. And so we were able to practice it and, and get quality reps at it. And, you know, we come back uh, um, in the summer, you know, there, the fall of 2020, we were one of the few FCS teams to play. Um, and we got to play a full 10 game schedule. And, but we go, we go out to Utah uh, the very first game. And, you know, we, we obviously felt good about it. We've done well in camp with it. And we were very successful against a team a level above us, just kind of mashing on them and, and getting some good fits in these double teams and just knocking the ball vertical. And, um, man, from there, it just kept growing and growing and growing to where it became probably our second most called run behind wide zone, um, some variants of it, and got to the point where it was an 11 personnel, a 12 personnel, a, a 13 personnel, a, an RPO game for us. We were, we were able to expand the package quite a bit. But, again, going back to what I said earlier, nothing really changed for my five guys. We were able to do the same things but, but give the defense a lot of looks uh, running the same stuff. So that was kind of our exposure to it. And again, obviously, if you look at, you watch Tyron Smith and Zach Martin and uh, Travis, what was the, the center there at the oh, Cowboys? Travis oh, Frederick. Yes. Um, you know, you watch those guys do it and you're like, well, why aren't we doing this? They're hand, turn around and hand it off to Zeke. And golly. Uh, so a little different, a uh, little different personnel, but once you figure out the play and, and you can start knocking things vertical and really be slow with your double teams up front and, and fit the thing up and get it vertical. Um, we really found a lot of success in that play. Now kind of, kind of continuing there, like, and I'm going to, I probably should ask one question before there, but I'm not going to, I'm just, I'm going to keep kind of what I've written down is before we get into kind of the duo wide zone marriage, what are your kind of coaching points for duo? Because obviously your ideal Duo one-on-one is you want to get as many double teams across the board as humanly possible. I think at minimum you want two. I think it, once you start bringing in other personnel, whether it be tight end, H-backs, receivers, you, you, in a perfect world, you're getting three. I think two right. to three is kind of your range. Correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. Uh, but when you're – I mean, and I've heard Gallup step. I've heard this. I've heard that. When, when you're looking at duo, what are you talking to your offensive lineman about? Because obviously you're trying to get – push you're trying to get double teams up to second levels what does that kind of look like for you guys yeah the first thing we tell the guys before we even talk about the fits and where the double teams go is that we want to be slow through the double team and then fast to the linebacker so we we talk about timing and tempo as much as anything in the play um how long can we press the double team until we have to come off um and then, you know, that only – we only come off when they trigger. Um, even if they go over the top, we're just still pressing the double team. So, I think the biggest the biggest piece for us was just the timing um, because the inside zone combos are a little bit different. You know, they're a little faster. And, and same thing, Mary in the running back is he had to learn how to slow down too. And, and so, everything just kind of slowed down a little bit 
um, from a tempo standpoint and, and getting to the second level. Uh, that was the first thing. The second thing that we talked about a lot was just the variance of linebacker fits because of the backfield action and how they're going to fit it differently than inside zone. You know, with the on inside zone, you'd call it a rock back player. Well, on duo, he's really just going to the ball, right? Uh, for, for just a base defense. And so learning the anticipation of where we expect these guys to fit if they're in a normal call uh, helped get us into the fit. We still use the, you know, the foot fire on the inside half of the double team. Uh, we use the high leg or the gallop, depending on the technique, uh, where the defender's playing on the, on the first level. Um, we still use those same techniques. Again, nothing changes from that standpoint. But, um, you know, to me, it was all about the tempo and getting it installed and not snapping off on a second-level linebacker before you needed to. And now we get tackled by a defensive tackle because our back's slower than we are, whatever the case may be. So just getting all that married together uh, was the biggest battle that we fought as we got it into into our system. Okay. Now, I mean, and I'm going to kind of head back to what I kind of mentioned before is why do you think duo and wide zone marry so well together? Because you're not the first coach I've had um, talk about how, like, his base plays wide zone, his second plays duo. Like, you, you listen to Nick Duty, the high school wide zone guru. Yep. I mean, he talks about that. His base play is wide zone, his second plays duo, and he, and he jokes all the time. That's really all you need run game-wise. Um, why do you think that is that they marry so well together? Well, in my experience so far, so I didn't grow up as a wide zone guy. Um, you know, when I, when I got on staff at SFA, um, I'd grown up in the inside zone gap scheme world. That's when I got into it, we were a, a 12 plus pro style run power, run counter, uh, and, and some inside zone. As we evolved, we became a little more zone RPO still with those same principles and, and the powers and counters and stuff. So when I got to SFA, they'd been running wide zone really well at Texas A&M Commerce. And that's when I kind of dove into it. I mean, I was sitting there studying Alex Gibbs and, and going back and seeing how many YouTube videos I could find of him and, and just his coaching points. And, and it's evolved since then. But what I found is that as we ran more wide zone, teams stopped trying to penetrate nearly as much against us and get vertical and play on our side of the line of scrimmage because now they were either going to get run up the field and the ball was going to get inside of them or on the backside they were going to get cut over and over and over again. Well, so now if a team is going to start playing you more laterally or more read key, now you have the ability to knock them off the football with more force because they're not getting off the ball. And that's where I think that the marriage really comes into play is because you do, you're able to get more initial surge. And then by the time they figure out that it's, oh crap, it's inside run. Now they're not triggering fast enough to be able to, to really squat and, and to be able to stop that thing on our side of the line of scrimmage. Um, so to me, that's the biggest, biggest reason, uh, just in my experience and me seeing it here over the last three years, really two when we added the duo part of it, um, why they why they really married well together. Okay. And that makes sense, like, because I'm always curious, because like I said, I, I've heard, multi, heard it multiple times. Um, so obviously, like I said, we've, you've kind of hit wide zone and kind of your regression through it and kind of your base teaching. How much, and obviously, offensive linemen don't really deal with formations. They're there unless you have some weird thing. But how much formationally have you guys done with wide zone and duo to kind of influence? How much do you think window dressing is 
a key part of those plays to kind of make sure they're successful. Obviously, like typically duo, you're running out of 11 or 12 personnel um, or a bunch. I mean, I've seen a lot of tight bunch. How much does all that tie into kind of what you guys have done historically? Yeah, I mean, I think formation variation is is critical. Um, I think you try to, on tape, you try to find where your advantages can be um, through that formation. And it may not even be because what you're doing, it's more just attacking what they're doing. Like, you know, we we had a little more success running duo against an underfront. Um, so is there a formation that I can use that's going to get this team in an underfront? Um you know, and, and just going through there and, and studying that, uh, is there an advantage in the RPO system of, of getting into this formation and being able to use uh, to use duo or wide zone or whatever? And then to, to the flip side of that, what formations can we eliminate this week running these plays because they had us here? Or do we need to have a check system in place to where, you know, all right, quarterback, you got to be able to count hats here and get us in a good call or, you know, have a, have a dual call with wide zone one way and, and duo the other way or, or whatever, just having answers built into what you do. Um, and, and a lot of times those answers initially are formation variations. And so I mean, you can run the gamut out of 11 personnel plus, we probably run the formation um, to, to run duo or wide zone. And you know, just again, finding those advantages. Maybe it's just for that week. It's like, Hey, let's just see how they line up to this. Uh, whatever, you know, there, there are some of that that goes into it also, but um, you know, again, I'll go back to the point of, can you keep it the same for the five guys up front and make the skill guys vary a little bit, not a ton, but line up a little different, give the defense a totally different picture. And now they're having to play slower and they're, they're communicating and now the ball gets snapped and here we go. So um, I, I do think it's a big, big key in what we were able to do uh, there at Stephen F. Austin. Now, I mean, here's my next part. And because I, I argue with coaches all, all the time about this is is sidecar versus pistol when it comes to wide zone and duo. Um, mm-hmm. You hear a lot of purist talk that duo and wide zone are better either out of under center or out of pistol because of the backfield steps and the vision part. Sure. Um, but obviously college football is transformed and you see a lot more, especially sidecar, wide zone. Duo is kind of a little more interesting. People are, I think, are still trying to piece that part out. But how much do you got does, – does you running duo or um, wide zone out of sidecar or offset, whatever, whatever you want to call it, instead of pistol, does that affect anything for your offensive line compared to your running back and timing that up and how, how that mesh works? Um, so – the answer, the short answer is it hasn't yet. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we really looked into that. So, so again, going back to when I first got to SFA, we, we didn't do any RPOs. We were, um, you know, we had our quick screen RPOs or whatever, you know, all of our pre-snap stuff, but, but no post-snap stuff. And so uh, we, we were big believers in the pistol. And, and I do think the stretch and puncture aspect of wide zone, it allows you a benefit. Um, just because of the path of the back is a little more downhill. Um, it eliminates more negative plays probably is, is the biggest benefit to it. However, as we evolved and we became a little more RPO heavy, um, it's a lot harder to do out of the pistol. Uh, it's, it's impossible to do with wide zone um, in terms of a post-snap RPO. And then why, uh, with duo, the timing 
is really conflicted um, based on the ball handling of how you're handling it with the with the quarterback and the running back. So uh, this year, probably more than any other year, uh, this past year that, that we were at SFA, um, we became a lot more sidecar and and just repping it over and over again. I, I really didn't feel like it was that much of a difference. Um, if we go back and look at it and, and really, really study in depth, which I have not had the opportunity to do yet. Um, but if we do do that, you know, uh, maybe there is some some minor variations that some adjustments that we need to make. Um, but off the naked eye and just going through the season last year, I don't feel like it really made that much of a difference one way or the other. What it allowed us to do inside for was get the ball on the perimeter uh, with throws. Um, a little more often if the ball got handed off I felt like it was roughly the same but something I certainly need to go back and study uh, when I when I get the opportunity to do that okay uh, I, I got I got really two more main questions for you coaches is first your off season um, obviously college football and high school off seasons are, are very different especially college and midwest off seasons because we don't get true spring ball here yet in Ohio sure. uh, your off season, obviously you get spring ball, but also when you are doing strength and conditioning and stuff, you get obviously time to do stuff on the field without a ball. And obviously a lot of your conditioning drills replicate some stuff you could do individual drill wise. Right. We get something similar here in Ohio where we get seven mans and we can pull seven kids with the ball, do some stuff at a time, no more. Um, can like, we can't have a bunch of pods in different places. We get seven kids. That's it. Right. Um, yeah. So, but for, for, as a college coach who does some of those off season stuff, what would you recommend to high school coaches, especially here in like the Midwest, Ohio places don't have spring ball, but get some of that off season time on where to kind of focus with offensive line, especially ones that do counter duo or wide zone. Where do you kind of, how would you approach those seven mans if it was you? Sure. Yeah. So, so for me, again, it, it's always going to go back to, you know, feet, hat, and hands. Um, Cause I think you can teach all of those things without having to, to run plays. Um, how many repetitions and how much good muscle memory can we create when we're with them? Because, you know, one thing that I believe in is that you're always creating habits, whether they're good habits or whether they're bad habits. And so I want to be with the guys when they're doing drills all the time, because at some point during the summer and we lose access to them. Well, now, they're still going through those drills. What habits are they creating during that point to where am I going to have to go break them? Um, you know, am I going to have to break a bad habit? I'd rather you not do the drill than me have to break a bad habit. And so, you know, the feet had in the hands from a run game standpoint, no matter what scheme that you're running. Um, I think we're focusing on that as much as possible uh, from a protection standpoint, you know, the things that we're going to talk about and the things that we're going to drill every day are going to be posture body positions and strike. And so, you know, whatever drills that you want to come up with that replicate game-like situations without being super physically imposing on, on those kids or physically demanding from a contact standpoint on those kids. And, and I'll go back to my time at Madison and I was coaching quarterbacks, but I'm an O-line guy. So I always got my hand in the O-line somewhere, right? And, and the guy that was coaching O-line for me, um, was a guy that played for me at, at Abilene Christian. And he did a really good job of getting those kids out there and just teaching the fundamentals, going back to step one with every single kid and starting with stance, 
and then just basic footwork and how many how good can you get at doing the the basic things perfect and now again as you build on that all you're doing is adding those into your spring ball if you don't have spring ball then into your fall camp whatever but they have taken millions of reps at that and now it's just polishing those reps as they go so again run game for me it's going to go back to my feet hat hands and then in protection it's going to go posture body position and strike okay and then um Kind of my last thing is, and I should have asked this much earlier, with you guys running gap and zone schemes. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they're – I mean, especially high school, I think it's harder. I think college, you kind of – I mean, you have an offensive line coach, offensive G off, – usually, typically, it's offensive line GA, uh, support staff, depending on the size of your school. Um, and the fact that your kids are – I mean, you're scholarship-oriented. They're, they're very – I don't know um, – motivated to develop their skills i'll say sure. Sure. how do you mesh zone and gap schemes together because obviously most high schools don't try to mesh the two if they do it's like wide zones probably the only zone scheme and then there's a bunch of gap schemes and then sure. like if you're on inside zone you're probably not said for maybe gt counter not really running too many gap schemes along with the inside zone just because of the time at the high school level that it takes how do you mesh those two? Obviously, you talked about your four base techniques you use, but mm-hmm. how else do you mesh those two schemes together so you guys can seamlessly kind of run both? Yeah, I think the you know one of the biggest things that I learned from you know being a college offense coordinator at Abilene and then, and then going to Madison, um, we actually probably ended up with more scheme at, at San Antonio Madison than we did at Abilene Christian, and I think it a lot of it had to do with terminology and putting things into families for kids to learn. I think the terminology piece was probably the biggest thing that we did that helped those kids learn. Um, you know, like, so, so for example, um, all of our zone schemes were a Texas term, right? And so they knew, those kids knew that if we called anything that was related to Texas, whether it was Alamo or, you know, whatever, name a Texas term, right? Um, they were going to run inside zone on the front side and then the back side was going to be the change. Um, and so we were able to, you know, through that, like, like our counter series was, was either kick or punch and kick was GF and punch was GT. So, all right, how can you seamlessly work these things together without creating a bunch of rules? Well, we were a point system, you know, we would point ID everything. And so now, all right, in all of our zone schemes, we know that the first double team is always working to the point system, to the point man. In all of our gap schemes, we know that the first double team is always working to the point man. And so then it was just a matter of, all right, who is the point and how do we get there with our techniques that we're using? Um, I found it pretty uh, enlightening from, from the standpoint of, you know, getting these 14 to 18 year olds to learn it. Um, because again, we were doing every bit as much, if not more at Madison that we did at at, uh, at Abilene. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's what's your kids. Um, a, of course, they can only handle so much volume. I understand that. But if they're doing the same things every day from a technique standpoint, and then you have clear, simple rules for these plays and they fit into families, then I think you can do a lot of different things. Like our wide zone and our inside zone rules are exactly the same. It's all in the zone family. Our power, counter, GF, GT, whatever, they're all the same rules. We just change one or two people. And um, as much 
limited variance that you can have on whether it's the front side, the back side, whatever side of the play. Now you can just build on top of those things and you look up and you have a lot of run game that you can go out and execute because you're doing the same things every day and your kids have simple, easy rules. And we just got to go back to our rules when, when I get into this family. And then, I mean, and for, right before we go is, do you have any advice, especially for like young high school or young college, like GA quality control to offensive line coaches as they are looking to developing it better and kind of how, kind of how they can improve their skills and develop offensive linemen? Yeah, I think, uh, I think, you know, the biggest thing in coaching in general is you got to love on kids and you got to be in it for kids. Um, you know, again, that's what, that's what Chris Thompson taught me. Um, love on kids no matter what developing the the actual fundamentals and techniques um, I don't think you can go to enough clinics I don't think you can go to enough um, enough of YouTube videos or whatever like you can go back it was amazing when I when I typed in Alex Gibbs I don't I was probably watching something from the early 80s like but but even like I was learning a new play I didn't know what I was doing and how many resources can I find to, to use that. And the internet is an amazing tool to do, to do that. And you can, when you get free time and you sit, uh, what, what are you doing with your free time? Um, you know, and I think one thing, one thing that I, I did as a young coach, and this was before Netflix and all that got invented. So I, uh, I didn't have that issue, but I would binge watch football at night instead of binge watching, you know, TV shows or whatever. And, and I know that sounds stupid and, and corny, but the more that you're just around it and you see it, you develop your own plan, um, and, and you talk to all these guys. And like, don't be afraid to reach out to people. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with reaching out and developing a connection. And you know, ask coaches like, hey, how do you do this? And you may end up at a spring ball and sitting in a meeting or whatever. And I'm not saying that's the case everywhere. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case, Louisiana Tech. I couldn't tell you. We haven't even had that conversation, but. <laughs> but I do know that people want to help. Yeah. Um, and I think O-line coaches in particular, because nobody wants to talk to an O-line guy, like, you know, whoever reaches out to me, I, I'll be happy to help you however I can. And, um, but, but there's unlimited resources at your disposal. You just got to take the time out to use those resources and, uh, you know, figure out what works best for you. And, and when you do decide to teach it, have a good set plan. I'm not saying the plan never tweaks but you got a good set plan and your kids understand your plan and you go out there and you execute what's going on. If you don't like it, trash it. Don't use it anymore. If you like it, keep building on it and let's figure out um, how, how we can get it better. But some of this stuff is trial and error. And, but, but there's been a lot of trial and error done before us that, that we can learn from that, that we can just sit there and find on the internet and figure out what's worked and what hasn't. And, um, lot, lots of great videos. You mentioned the cool clinic earlier, you know, yeah. like, I mean, how many of those videos, how many old, uh, unbelievable O-line coaches have talked at the Cool Clinic? I was actually looking on the website today to see when it is. Um, I'm hoping I get the opportunity to go. I went, that my first year as an O-line coach, I went to Cincinnati and sitting there and, man, holy cow, you know, two days of, of O-line talk. I didn't even know that all that stuff even existed, you know, and, and I was a first-year coach. And just the growth and depth from, from even that little bitty converse, those conversations now all of a sudden, you know, sparks ideas in your mind, and now you go research and you go study and be a professional. And and I think professionals um, do the research and put in the time to be really good at what they do. So that would be my advice too. 
Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, it goes back to your point about no one really wants to talk to Oline Coach. That's why Oline Coach has developed their own clinic. And no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. And it's the mushroom clinic for a reason. You know why it's the mushroom clinic, right? Oh, I've heard the story before. I can't remember it off the top of my it, uh, something about it just oh god, what is it? It was a good analogy on why like people don't talk to O-line coaches or something. It is. Remi- it's a good analogy. Remind me. It, it is something of where do mushrooms grow the best? They grow in dark, wet environments. And that's yep. how O-line coaches grow too. Nobody wants to go talk to an O-line coach. Just put us in the closet and let us figure it out. But if you're honest, like you look, I mean, they, I mean, every year has 10, 15 DVDs, depending on who's talking. And even like, like I said, I found the one from late 90s, early 2000s of Bob Wiley talking duo. Like yeah. there's some great stuff on there. Like I, I was, I was looking at some wide zone stuff today, just out of curiosity. And we, I was talking with a buddy of mine and I sent him a bunch of, cause he was, he's like, I'm looking for some wide zone stuff. I'm like, well, why don't you just type in YouTube? But fine, I'll, I'll send you a bunch of links. I typed in the YouTube. I mean, I could have kept going for hours, but I've sent like 15 links and like three of them were that cool clinics that were on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And like one was like the New Orleans Saints offensive line coach from like 2018. Um, There's a couple other ones like, I mean, it's I mean, it's not like offensive line coaches don't have resources like (laughs) there's there's a ton of them at their disposal. And, you know, I think the hard part about going to coaching clinics sometimes is no line guys. They're typically when you go to these big clinics, there's only one O-line speaker and the rest are on skill kids and quarterback development and a lot of that stuff and so you only get one real blurb but like you know you get the opportunity to sit down for two days at the cool clinic and you talk about it or i'm going to shamelessly plug this one um i was asked to speak down here at tomball high school they're bringing in uh larry zierline you know coach zierline's son is on the staff at tomball high um aj ricker's coming to speak brandon jones is coming to speak eric mateos is, is speaking um I am by far the low man on that totem pole. They're going to be highly disappointed <laughs> listening to me talk. But, I mean, I'm as excited to to go listen and learn as I am to talk uh, because it's just two days of, of O-line guys. Um, yeah. It's kind of the mini version of, of the Texas Cool Clinic, you know, and um, I'm excited to go do it. I think it's a great resource and, and a, a cool thing that these guys are, are putting on uh, just to get O-line guys together and, and let's talk some ball. Well, that, that's funny because, like, we're hosting our own clinic here. I'm getting a bunch of college guys in the Ohio area at yeah. our school and we're, like, bringing people in. And the funny thing is, so I have five offensive coaches scheduled right now for the five are offensive line coaches. Like, Let's go, baby. Let's I, I, go. I, like, and it wasn't by design. I'm just, like, I'm reaching out to people I know or I ask, like, some college staffs, like, you want to send somebody? And there's, like, here's the O-line coach. Or <laughs> the offensive coordinator so happens also to be the O-line, O-line coach. Yeah. Like, just – like there, there's there's four line coaches and a quarterbacks coach. Like yeah. I just need to get one more line coach, and he's got full protection scheme right there. He's good to go. There you go, baby. There um, you go. And, and what's the crazy thing is, it's like when O line guys get together, you don't ever, nobody ever talks about pass protection. It's all you're always talking about running. Oh yeah. You know, and that's that's what we all love to do, and it all goes back to the roots. As much as the game has changed and evolved, and you know everybody's throwing it all over the yard, whether it's RPOs or, or whatever. But um, at the end of the day, you better run the football. Uh, to be able to win football games and and uh, you know we we talked at SFA we talked a lot about uh, to our kids that meaningful games come down to two situations either two minute offense or four minute offense and you look at the NFL and it happens all the time and so when everybody in the stadium knows that you're about to run the ball do you have the ability to run the ball and when everybody knows you're going to throw it do you have the ability to protect but um, we all know that at the end of the day you better run the football uh, successfully if you want to win the game, no matter how you want to window dress it, no matter how you want to personnel it, 
running the football is the answer to winning football. And I think that's a good place to end it right there. You can't, you can't get better ending than that. So, yeah. Coach, I appreciate you coming on. This was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. I got a lot of, a lot of notes here, and I know a lot of stuff I'll go back to. Um, coaches, his Twitter will be in the bio. Please give him a follow. Um, it's the least we can do for him coming on. Um, coach, coach, me and Coach have been gotten, going back for, like, less than a week, trying to schedule a time. And Coach, yeah. like, when he said earlier that he will get back to you, he means it. Like, I mean, I did not know him prior to this. I had kind of looked at some of their Stephen F. Austin before I talked to him, but coach got back to me immediately and has been fantastic. Um, the tags will be in the bio as normal. So if you want to go back to listen, us talking about four techniques, twist, duo, like any of that stuff, all that stuff will be in the bio. Check out our sponsors, affiliates as normal, like, share, subscribe, all that lovely stuff. Um, and otherwise, that's another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. <laughs>